everybody. Welcome back. Happy New Year, Crystal. Happy New Year, Kat. <laughs> it is officially 2021. It is. And actually, I'm we're excited. recording in 2021. I know. This is very exciting. So far, 2021 has been going well. I don't know. What about for you? <laughs> it's only been 24 hours. But. I took a big fat nap today. <laughs> nice. And you know, so this episode, I think, is actually coming out at the end of January. <laughs> um, so this will actually show our listeners oh. how far in advance our recording schedule is. Well, do you see that's how hard we work to put this stuff out because... I don't know. Does that make sense? Probably it takes not. a lot of work to get <laughs> the recording listener ready. I know. You think we edit. sound like a mess when you're listening. <laughs> you do not want to hear the raw audio. Crystal has to edit out all my exactly's all the time. So <laughs> we were just take... talking about that today. <laughs> exactly. It takes a long time. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. Um, we are going to tell you the story, or not we, I'll tell you the story of uh, Christy Actually, Sheets. Before you what? tell that, yeah. uh, we were talking about Casey Anthony. And yes. You told me something I did not hear yet. Oh, my goodness. So Casey Anthony, I don't know if, you, well, you all should remember. Well, you, I don't, you know what? I don't know if you remember or not. But Casey Anthony was the mother who was convicted of, uh, was no, she No, she wasn't. No. She was her, no one was convicted, right? No. Was she not convicted? Then no. The whole, so when she was on trial and she throws her dad under the bus, right? She starts saying, spouting all these lies about her dad and Zanny sexual the abuse nanny and, and Zanny. The, yeah. Anyways, so Casey Anthony um, is opening up, applied for a business license for her own private investigation company, which, which is ridiculous. I don't. <laughs> if I need anyone to private investigate. Is that P? How I can't In, investigate talk. privately. Investigate Be a private <laughs> eye. Actually, you know what? If anybody is in Florida, because I think Casey's still in Florida, she is, and decides to use her firm, can you please contact us and tell us how it went? I want to know. <laughs> Casey Anthony is going to call us and go. I'll tell you how it went, and we're oh going to be God. like, oh no. I I. Still think she had something to do with it. Obviously. Everybody does because she obviously did. Obviously. Yeah. No. It's, yes. A private investigator, Casey Anthony. I don't know how many hires she'll get, but she would have to change her name. No, I think she would get some just for people who are trying to get like a looky-loo into her life. Well, and see, and that's what I would be worried about if I was her is people who aren't really genuine about wanting her business. Wouldn't you think? We'll see. I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. So yeah, I'll put a Google know. alert on that. I'm, I'm do it. That. Do it. Okay. Uh, what are we talking I, about this week? Today we are talking about Christy Sheets. Have you heard of her? The name sounds really familiar, but uh-huh. I don't think I know the story. Okay. Well, you are in for a. Treat, a horrible treat, but a treat, true crime treat nonetheless. All so right. here we go. Christy Bird Sheets. So on Friday, June 24th, 2016 in Fulcher, Texas, which Fulcher, Texas is a suburb of Houston, 
uh, around 5 p.m., 911 calls start pouring into Fort Bend County Police Department, and there's a lot of them. And among them is a call from Foz, and forgive me for mispronouncing the last name, which I know I'm going to do, but Foz Zainundini, uh, who is watching this horrific scene unfold, like right in front of his home in his front yard basically they lived on a cul-de-sac and I'm assuming it's normally a pretty quiet cul-de-sac and this was on Remsen Hollow Lane there in Texas and we're I know that Crystal's going to play some audio for you of the 911 call but it is frantic and they received uh, plenty of these 911 calls not only from neighbors around them but from also the victims themselves which uh it's pretty horrifying to to listen to. For the number one, you need to After all these 911 calls pouring in, police get there rather quickly. Once they get there, more shots are fired. And then finally, when the chaos is over, we have a 42-year-old mother and her two daughters, one who is 16 and one who is 22, dead in the front yard. One family member who was there as well is left unharmed, and that happens to be the father of the two girls, Jason Sheets, and he is left untouched, unharmed. And it also happens to be his 45th birthday. So, Oh, geez. Yeah, so not a very happy birthday no, for him. No, not at all. Mm -mm. How does... I mean, you're going to tell me, but yeah. the first thought here is like, it's his birthday? So exactly. Like, I'm assuming it's 5 p.m. They were probably doing some kind of birthday, everybody together, let's celebrate thing. How does that turn into three of them ending up dead? Well, I am going to tell you. And in order to get to that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Sheets family, just so we can kind of understand exactly what happened here. Okay. So Jason Sheets, as I told you, he is the father of the two girls that are now dead and uh, the 42-year-old woman who is Christy Sheets. Jason and Christy met when they were just teenagers. They both lived and grew up in Alabama and they lived in separate towns though. So they didn't grow up together. They were about 15 minutes apart. Um, I didn't really see, read a lot about how they met, but I'm assuming just because both of them are, they're 
they're, they're very faith-based people and church was really important to them, I'm assuming they met through some sort of church group. But all of the friends and family who uh, talk about them and talk about their love story say that the two just seemed very much in love and like meant to be. Everyone just thought these two, Jason and Christy, they just were a meant to be couple and and they were. So eventually Jason did and Chris. Um, sorry. What? Did you notice that your stories kind of have a theme? <laughs> Where it starts out really nice and then you, it ends really bad. Like high school or childhood sweethearts that go wrong. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's hope it goes well with my husband. But <laughs> but the th- good thing with my husband is I didn't meet him um, at a young age. Okay. <laughs> but we were meant to be. Dun, dun, dun. No, I'm oh, kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, so the two, they uh, got married and they moved from Decatur, Alabama to Fulcher, Texas in 2002. Everything's going well. The young couple is in love. They have two daughters together. Taylor Sheets was born in 1994. And then they have another daughter, Madison Sheets, who was born in 1998. And like I said, They were a cute couple, had two beautiful little girls. Life was going really well for the family. They were very involved in just like their church. They were uh, Baptist Christians, and so church was a big thing for them. They were always there together as a family. They were very strong in their faith. Uh, Jason Sheets was an IT consultant at Oxy, which is a Houston-based oil and gas company, and that's where he worked throughout their marriage. When you talk about Jason and when I was reading about Jason and looking at all the stuff about him, everyone says that he always worked very hard for his family. He was kind of like a, a quiet guy, but he also struggled with um, OCD, which he was diagnosed with when he was nine years old. And even now in Jason's Facebook posts, he does talk about, you know, getting help with his OCD and always struggling with it. But that even though his OCD kind of held him back in some ways in his life, it also helped him a lot in his life. And we'll look at that, uh, later on. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I found that interesting too, because he was so into, uh, providing for his family and wanting to provide for his girls. He also had a second job tutoring, um, because he just was one of those guys that just wanted to give his wife and his daughters everything they wanted, even though he already had a really good job as a consultant, for this uh, oil and gas company. But he also held another job with uh, tutoring as well. Okay. Now, Christy, she had various jobs off and on. She owned um, a small business for a short time. I'm not quite sure exactly what she did in that small business, but she also worked in the hair industry, and eventually she worked at the front desk of a tattoo removal business. But from what I could tell from her, uh, her pages, in the early years, she always had a job. She was always doing something. And then she was also raising her two daughters and taking care of them as well. Okay. So, so she, she had, um, e- like, 
entry level positions that had flexible hours that she could be there for her kids and exactly um probably not the best paying jobs but still something to contribute to the household yes yes exactly correct um christy was very active on social media she was always posting pictures of her daughters and going on about how much she loved them and how proud she was of them when you look at that and her facebook is filled with that it does come across as very sweet and very genuine In September of 2015, on her Facebook page, she wrote, Happy Daughter's Day to my two amazing, sweet, kind, beautiful, intelligent girls. I love and treasure you both more than you could ever possibly know. That's Um, cute. Isn't that cute? And then even below that, there were comments from Taylor and from Madison, like, uh, I love you, mom, and thank you, and you're the best mom. And it was always like that back and forth for most of uh, Christy's Facebook page. And again, when I was reading it and looking at it, it does come across as very sweet and very genuine and just, you know, just like moms and daughters, you know, although I am always weary of people who go a little overboard yeah. on their it's on like their overcompensating. L- uh huh. Yes, I and anytime I see someone do that with their significant other, I am always waiting for that like separation or a divorce announcement coming. Yeah, because it's you like know, you're working so hard to make your life look perfect. Uh huh. It's okay for life not to be perfect. What's wrong there? Exactly. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I can do it. I think I can. We'll see. Okay. Um, okay. When you lo- and I spent a lot of time looking at all of the Facebook profiles of this of the entire Sheets family, and she did have two really amazing daughters. They were beautiful. They were talented. Taylor, who was the 22-year-old daughter, was an accomplished artist. She loved drawing and sketching. She has all of her sketches and portraits on her page. And, you know, Uh, I saw a picture of her, and she mm -hmm. is gorgeous. Uh, The whole family is gorgeous. The mom, I thought Christy was pretty. Taylor is beautiful. Madison is beautiful. So the pictures I saw of Christy, and maybe it's (laughs) knowing that she did what she did I think she has crazy eyes oh my gosh Crystal I was just (laughs) about to say that she is beautiful she does have the crazy eyes and I am I'm gonna address that yes okay it's it is very clear in all of those pictures like you're like oh she's pretty but then when you look at it a little longer you're like You're like, you are looking into my soul. Those are some crazy. And I think she uses a lot of filters on those, which just enhance the crazy (laughs) in her eyes. So we'll get back to that, though. But yes, she does have those crazy eyes. Um, Taylor. 22 was an accomplished artist, like I said before, so you can edit that. Um, At the time, Taylor was working for a preschool daycare in Katy, Texas, and the kids and the other staff just adored her, had nothing but wonderful things to say about Taylor. Friends and family said that she had a great sense of humor. She was very independent. She graduated from Seven Lakes High School in 2012, and at high school, 
she was the member of the National Honor Society. She played uh, softball in high school for a couple of years. Uh, she had just graduated with honors from Lone Star College with her associate's degree. And while she was in college, she made the dean's list every year. Oh, she, nice. Yeah, she was... Um, Pi Theta Kappa sorority, um, and she was currently, unfortunately, prior to her death, enrolled to start a program at Houston University for uh, to become a sonogram technician. So she wanted to study all about, you know, doing sonograms and becoming um, a tech, which those, I hear sonogram techs make really great money. Not that that matters, but I just heard that. Um <laughs> And that is why uh, her boyfriend, uh, she had a longtime boyfriend, uh, Juan Sebastian Lugo, uh, had been her boyfriend for about four years. They got engaged uh, about two years before that, and they were actually set to be married in a private, small private ceremony a few days uh, later. They were supposed to be married on June 28th, which makes the story even more tragic. Oh, that is really sad. Yeah. They were just going to have a little small private ceremony and then because they could not wait to get married. And then after she graduated from her uh, sonogram program, they were going to have like a big celebration, like a, a, a larger wedding. But they just loved each other. They didn't want to wait any longer. And so on June 28th, they were supposed to uh, be married. Maybe I'm getting ahead of you, and I probably am. Is yeah. there a reason that the fiance wasn't at the house for the birthday? Like, no, am I just there's... assuming that they were there for a birthday thing, and that's wrong? No, that's not totally wrong. Although, when you find out the events of that day, you'll you'll probably be able to piece together why the fiance wasn't there. Okay, um, and. It's crazy eyes fault. But anyways, here we go. <laughs> okay. We're just going to call <laughs> Not, it crazy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because she does have the crazy eyes. It's um, really, really bad. Yeah. Anyone who looks it up after this, you guys, let us know because, I mean. I mean, we'll, we'll post photos. Yeah. Oh, we'll definitely post photos. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. So Madison was the youngest daughter. She was 16. She And you know what? When you look at her photos, everything, the way that I'm going to describe Madison, you could just take one look at her picture and see all of this from her picture. But everyone describes her as just very sweet, very innocent. She loved being around children like her sister. Uh, she was one of those go-to babysitters for the neighborhood, the go-to dog sitter for the neighborhood. She just loved taking care of other people and especially children, especially animals. Uh, she was about to start her senior year at the same high school her sister graduated from. She, like her sister, she was also a part of the National Honor Society. She was a part of the Spanish Honor Society. And um, she was a part of the Spartans Outserving Club at the high school, which is uh, this club at the high school that did a lot of volunteer work in the community. 
always smiling, always helping others is how people describe her. She was a loyal friend to many. Madison also enjoyed cooking. So whenever family would visit, um, would visit her family at her house, she was always up early and cooking everyone breakfast. And for a 16 year old, for a teen, especially a girl, like that's, you know, up early and just like, you know, being that just nurturing, serving, you know, that you don't see that a lot. Right. Just when I, when I was looking and researching and reading all of this, uh, I just see two sisters that had a very promising, you know, future almost like they sound like literally their whole lives are going in the right direction. The whole world is in front of them. Yeah. Just lovely girls. Lovely. Yeah. So the question is, how did the three of them end up dead on that summer day? And in order to tell that part of the story, how things went horribly wrong, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Christy Bird Sheets, a.k.a. AKA Crazy Eyes. eyes. (laughs) We said that at the same time. Uh, I'm like Will Ferrell and I have to point it out like on Step (laughs) Brothers. We said that at the same time. Ditto. Okay. Uh, Christy was born in 1974 in Decatur, Alabama. Now, her home life was interesting. She was actually raised by her grandfather. But when she, she always refers to him as her grandfather. I know that she had a biological dad that wasn't really a part of her life. But the grandfather, since she was a baby, raised her. Um, and she, that was like the only dad she, she knew that she saw in her life. Um, and she loved this man so, so much. I almost feel like, and maybe I'm stereotyping. So, uh but I've seen several cases and I actually know a couple people who were raised by their grandparents as opposed mm-hmm. to their biological parents. Mm-hmm. And I swear that the bond there ends up being stronger when you're raised by your grandparents. I hear it from most people. And there's yeah. so many times like we're telling these stories where the criminals were raised by their grandparents, but the bond between them and their grandparents was just like so strong. Well, and I'm wondering the reason maybe that is, is because You know, they always say when you grow up and, you know, your kids start having kids that the relationship that you have with your grandchild and the love that you have with your grandchild is something completely different than the love you had for your own child. Not to say that it's more, but I think it's just a different kind of love. And I was actually thinking about what you said, because I've I've had that experience, too, with knowing people who were raised by, you know, their their grandparents and it's a different kind of bond and I'm wondering if that's because you know the grandparents have already raised kids and this is kind of like round two so it's almost like any mistakes or things they feel they messed up on the first time around do you know what I'm saying they can they can correct that second time I almost feel like it's more like um more similar to adoption where okay. there a lot of people feel like you know my parents only love me cuz they have to but when the grandparents are raising you they are 
willingly taking you into their home. So yeah. it's almost like automatic and the same thing when you're adopted, they chose you. So it's almost yeah. like a heightened level of caring, even though it may not be. It's probably yeah. the exact same. But the perception is that it's more. Yeah, I could see that from both sides. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyways, for Christy, she definitely felt that. She definitely felt a bond uh, with her grandfather. And she, I mean, you, it's all over. She thought her grandfather was her hero. She refers to her grandfather as her best friend, her rock, her foundation. I mean, she holds, she held this man to a really high standard. And um, from the sound of it, he, he met all of that for her, you know, and he was all of that for her. She studied at, uh, and I'm going to mess this up too, Bowden College in um, Alabama, and she graduated with her associate's degree in business management and marketing. Um, She's a self-described conservative Republican and a strong Baptist Christian. And when I say a conservative Republican and a strong Baptist Christian, you, I wouldn't even, had you looked at her Facebook page, it would take you seconds to figure that out by looking at all of her posts. And honestly, Uh, someone's going to get mad at me, but mm -hmm. she's from Alabama and Mm -hmm. it's it's just very much more religious down there than it is in the northern states and I think she held on to that and rode that wave that part of her life super hard peppered between the posts uh, for her daughters and her faith and the love for her grandfather Christy has various selfies She is 100% vocal about gun support, the Second Amendment, and she is anti-anything liberal (laughs) at all. There's actually one of her... uh, Her posts on her Facebook page uh, says, it would be horribly tragic if my ability to protect myself or my family were to be taken away, but that's exactly what Democrats are determined to do by banning semi-automatic handguns. And she made that post on March 1st, 2016, and this was three months prior to her death. So You know what's interesting about her being so... Um, anti anything liberal or left wing is that uh, Texas in general is very right leaning, but Houston mm-hmm. is one of the areas that is left leaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. only really left leaning parts of Texas are Houston and Austin. Other smaller pockets might be, but those two are the really big ones. Uh-huh. And so it's it's odd that she would be happy there I mean not odd I guess but I'm wondering if there was some kind of community issues she was dealing with that was scratching a little bit of an itch for her as far as being triggered by what the left wing may have wanted yeah I'm not sure because I mean there is just a lot that she even has one meme posted it said something like I have 10 guns Obama wants to take eight eight of my guns away how many guns do I have left and then it says I have 10 guns (laughs) 
Like, so, and then she makes, and then after that, she has a post about Cracker Barrel um, <laughs> and uh, Keith Urban. So, the, okay. so Crazy Eyes is all over the place is all I can say. Okay. Um, but I do, like, her posts about her daughters, though, did seem genuine. You know, and I think they were. I do believe she loved her daughters, but we'll get more into that in a second. Okay. So there are two ways in which Christy Sheets' friends describe her and her family. There is the Christy Sheets before 2012 and the Christy Sheets after 2012. Did she believe the world was ending? <laughs> no, she did not. Okay. There was a big shift. Well, her world, I think, kind of ended um, in 2012. And I think that's why we see a very different person emerge uh, in 2012. So in 2012, in June of 2012, her grandfather dies. Oh, and that's sad. That would yes. change her. Yes. And, and so this man who was this pillar in her life... And her best friend dies. Prior to his death, Christy is described as a very devoted, loving mother and wife. Friends said that if you didn't know her, you would know that she was a mom within the first five minutes of meeting her because all she would want to do was talk about her daughters and talk about their accomplishments. She would show pictures of her daughters to anybody, even if they didn't ask. She was very nice and personable. After 2012, she completely changes. And I think her mental health at this time takes a huge hit as well. So at the start of 2012, her grandfather becomes very ill. I believe he had cancer. And it was around in the very beginning of 2012. Like we're, we're talking about right off the bat in January, he is moved to a uh, old folks, a nursing home. And he lived in Alabama, and she lives in Texas. Uh, so she couldn't take care of him, and he didn't want to leave Alabama. So uh, she tries to visit as often as she can. She goes to Alabama every chance she can get. And actually, she was able to see her grandfather um, a month before he passed. She went to uh, Alabama to celebrate, I believe it was his 82nd or 84th fifth birthday. I'm not sure, but she was able to go down there, see him one last time. And he actually died a month after that. Um, people around her notice that right after her grandfather's passing, she becomes very erratic, very self-centered, very shallow. Jason would later say in um, one of the interviews that he did, because he does not like to talk about this. The only time he talks about uh, Christy or anything involving the daughters is on his Facebook page, but he said that the person she presented on social media was very different than the person she was in real life. And um, which kind of goes back to what you were saying before that yes. when people are so overwhelmingly positive, it's almost mm -hmm. like this huge red flag that something is wrong. If oh, people huge. didn't try so hard, you would never think something's wrong. Uh, correct. And it like you said, they're trying to compens compensate for something. 
This also shows me, too, that even though her friends and family talk about, you know, the Christie before 2012 and how she was so nice and personable, I have to believe for how crazy this woman gets, this was something deep-seated, I think, that was always there. And I, I find it really hard to believe that something as major in her life, it's major, but as something as like the passing away of a a parent, which when you're older, that's what you expect, right? Parents right. Are sp- parents pass away. But that it would change her. I, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is there, I think there's something deep-seated already. And it's, then, like, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. That yeah. meant that the camel was already overloaded with something before we got there. Exactly. That I And what I was going to say, too, was is that I don't think someone can turn crazy without little deep inner sparkings there in the first place. Right. There has to be something there to trigger. It exactly. doesn't just happen. Exactly. And I mean, from the outside and that's. From the outside, it may look like it just happened. Even, I mean, there's it, entirely possible Jason didn't even see this coming Mm-mm. because Christy may have just been hiding something so far inside of her that even mm-hmm. she didn't know it was there. That's just, true. And I just, I wanted to make that clear so that people aren't thinking we're saying, oh, people are ticking time bombs. But no, yeah, there, there's got to be, it doesn't just happen. There's something. There has to be a, a little... A little pearl in a uh, pearl that I'm, I'm so creepy. Why do I say things like that? There must be a little pearl in there. So oh creepy. my God. <laughs> I am so creepy. Oh, like sometimes I listen to myself and I'm like, oh, stop. Okay. And you know what? You said that maybe Jason didn't even see it too, but I think Jason knew a lot of her dark side. I mean, she would often ask for plastic surgeries as birthday or anniversary gifts. Um, She was very much into her looks. I think she was someone who was always into her looks. She was very passive aggressive after her grandfather died too. So I think some of her anger is coming out in the form of you know, being passive aggressive. I wonder if that was a coping mechanism though, because she's been this happy, bubbly, positive person up until he died and then he died. And maybe she doesn't feel like she can freely express her grief because she's expected to be happy. So then she, it ends up flipping around and turning into this passive aggression because that's all she can actually express without like, I truly believe people like this who are also very shallow and, you know, like in 2014, that's when Christy discovers the art of the selfie. And boy, does she just go all out on just taking pictures of herself. And, And you know, uh, so this is really funny that you mentioned this, but I was mm -hmm. actually just thinking today. So... I've been going through my old photos and deleting like crap ones I don't need or like Uh I take photos for reference like, oh, I want to look into this later. So I snap a picture of it and Mm -hmm. like I'm just deleting a bunch of old stuff. And I I just realized I think 2014 was around the time that filters became a thing. Yeah. They weren't really a thing before then. So Mm -hmm. I remember I just happened upon like 
um, when Snapchat filters first came up, they had yeah. a bunch of like fun, silly ones, not ones that made you look pretty, but ones that made you look awful. Yeah. Um, and I remember taking pictures of those and sending them to my sister and I have a couple saved on my phone. And yeah. I think like 2014 is around when that first one started. I think so. And Crazy Eyes loves herself a filter because you'll see it on her Facebook page. She likes to filter them up. But I will admit, though, there are some filters that where I'm like, good. oh, my gosh. I'm like, uh, I'm like, hello. Look at you. Look at and my the- skin. I'm so <laughs> I pretty. Look at my eyelashes. Damn, <laughs> your eyeliner today looks amazing. And then Thanks, I. Filter. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually don't know how to apply eyeliner. So I <laughs> just follow the filter. In 2014, A lot of her social media posts change from posts about her love for her daughter and life to a lot of selfies and a lot of grieving posts about her grandfather. Um, Interestingly enough, though, I want to point out, Christy's mother died two months after her grandfather, which I'm sure kind of added to the load of grief. She has a few posts about her mom and how much uh, she loved her mom, but nothing really compares to the outpouring of just grief and and sadness she has about the loss of her grandfather. I mean, even at three years after his death, she still would post long, long posts about grieving for him and missing him. Um, I kind of can understand that, though, mm -hmm. because her mom didn't raise her. So Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the same kind of... uh, connection with her mom that she has with her grandfather so for me it kind of makes sense that she doesn't have the same level of sorrow about her mom oh yeah completely but I also think the level of grief that she expressed on social media for her grandfather I mean so uh, you know it's always typical you see when someone loses um, someone that they that they really, really love and the pain is very deep. Like you have, you know, it's been a month since so-and-so passed away. It's been, I mean, she, then then it's been a year. She would do like, it's been a month since my grandfather passed away. It's been 50 days. It's been three months. It's been six months. Oh. Like she, she marks the days, you know, as if she is just, as if every day is is painful, which I feel bad for her with that respect. She obviously lost like her direction when he died. And, you know, sitting here thinking now, I'm like, because I don't know anything about this story, I'm like mm-hmm. trying to be like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. yeah. Her grandfather died in June and her family was killed in June. Oh, well, you're going to see more of a pattern with that in a second. Yeah. But the other thing is, I wonder how much of this could have been avoided if she had gotten some grief counseling. And she does get some help. Okay. She does. So, which is, you know, I mean, for you to point that out, I was going to point it out later, but I really believe there is a problem with uh, the mental health care system um, that we have. And I don't think people get the help that they need. And then when it's too late, it's too late. Yeah. And then it results in something like this. 
like I said, she has a lot of posts just of expressing her overwhelming grief and sadness around her grandfather's passing. Um, on the three-year anniversary of his death, Christy writes along. And so remember, now this is three years after. So like every year we have continuous posts about um, about his death. And on the three-year anniversary of his death, Christy writes a long post saying, um, they say time heals and the heart recovers, but I reject this notion as my heart still grieves and suffers his loss every single day. So obviously something deep in Christy has changed and the grief is just compounding it and bringing out other issues that she's obviously struggling with too. Um, so deep cracks in her personality begin to show deep hatred that she has for herself. She's now projecting onto others. And when I say deep hatred for herself, you know, only one can speculate that. But, um, you know, in researching everything and in her, you know, abundance of selfies and just how shallow she was about her looks, it is my experience sometimes with people who are like that, that they are very insecure mm -hmm. about themselves. And so when they are posting selfie after selfie and they need the affirmation of outside people to like, you know, give them likes and, oh, you look so beautiful. And, you know, when yeah. they when they need that and they are trying to get attention that way, there there's something there's something lacking and usually people who are content and happy with themselves don't look for that all the time. It's interesting you mentioned the filters and that's yeah. around when she um, started posting more selfies mm -hmm. because there have been studies recently that show that selfie filters, specifically filters, are contributing to an influx of an increase in mental health issues mm -hmm. surrounding personal mm -hmm. image. Oh, because yeah people take these selfies with these filters that are designed to, I mean, there is a Snapchat filter that will literally like take, take, um, like I, I have apple cheeks. I'm, <laughs> I have like a cute little baby face. Um, this Snapchat filter will shave like fat off the sides of your face. It'll make oh your face gosh. longer. Um, so that it's more angular, your jawline is more pronounced. And so people see these selfies with the perfect skin tone and like the really good selfies make you look good. And yeah. then they look in the mirror and they don't look like this filter. Yeah. And it's it contributes so much to mental health issues that a lot of times when people are expressing issues with self-hate and depression, one of the first things a therapist will tell you to do is stop taking selfies. Exactly. Like, stop taking selfies, delete these off your phone. Yeah. Don't do it because you have to retrain your brain to recognize yourself in the mirror. Well, it makes sense. I mean, in the I was watching the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, and they were saying how people are coming in with the pictures of themselves with a filter saying, make me look like this. Ugh. Like in, in plastic, plastic surgeons are like, the, like, that's a filter. Yeah. Like I, I, so in teenagers, too, I want my nose to look like this. And they bring in a filtered selfie of themselves. 
Okay, so like I said, she starts taking things out on others. Instead of declaring love for her daughters all the time, publicly, privately, she starts criticizing them, um, especially Madison, who she gives an extremely hard time because of her weight. And that kills me because that is just something I feel, especially girls. 16, 17-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah. Self-image at that age is, you know, so fragile and they are not only bombarded by, you know, social media and what they think they should look like, but then to Mm -hmm. have your own mother start criticizing the way you look and um, especially your weight, uh, that's just something that does long-term damage. Yeah, definitely. Long, long long-term damage. Jason would later talk about how, you know, she would even try on Madison's clothes and say, see, this looks better on me oh than it God. does on you. And and you should you should want to look like me. I wasn't that big in, um, it, when I was your age and saying things like that. And when you're a teenager... All girls, I think also, you know how you have that baby fat stage? Oh, yeah. Like like where you still have that baby fat and you're just, you're a kid and you still, you're not going to look like those people in the magazines because that's unrealistic. And um, Madison, before she died, was actually actively trying to lose weight. She was going to the gym. She wanted to look nice at her sister's uh, wedding at her, the small ceremony. And so I guess she had already lost like a couple of pounds, um, you know, a couple of days before she died. And, um, and so, and I, and I can't help but think she was also trying to do that for her mom, you know, to, to seek some approval and some, um, something from her mom, which makes it even more sad for me. Jason told others that also after her grandfather died, that Christy started drinking heavily and their troubles in their marriage. Just if there was troubles before this only magnified it and they just began to spiral out of control. Uh, their relationship was deteriorating like quickly. She wasn't really working anymore because she wasn't able to hold down a job. The last job before she uh, died was at the tattoo removal office where she only worked for a few months. And the owner who was interviewed after Christie's death uh, said that she was able to turn on that sweet Southern charm when she needed to for customers, but that she was very much all over the place with her behavior. And he eventually ended up having to fire her in June of 2015 after only five months of working there. Because while she, he said she was great with customers, it was just her drama that she was bringing in. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't worth it. Her mental health obviously was declining and the family would endure these cycles of these highs and these lows that Christy would have where she was great and fun and happy and everything was wonderful. And then she was sad and depressed. And instead of, you know, shutting down with the sadness and depression, she would lash out and be angry and project and take it out on Jason and on the girls. After 2012, prior to her death, the police were called to the Sheets family home 14 times. Wow. Yes. So I don't know if you know this. Was it 
kind of evenly spread out over the mm-hmm. four years or was it did it like ramp up getting closer to it there was a clear you were talking about this earlier there was a clear cycle so I'll post it on um, the Instagram page but there is a sheet that shows all the calls that happened between 2012 and 2016 when this took place. And you can see there is um, a clear uptick in uh, Christie's emotional state between the months of May and June, which May was their birthday month. Remember, she shared a birthday month with her grandfather. And June is the... um, the anniversary of her grandfather's death. Okay. So there is definite correlation that I noticed there. Okay. Uh, while a few of those 14 calls were false alarms with the home alarm system, um, and one of those calls was because of a verbal altercation, I believe, between um, Christy and Jason, five of those calls were suicide attempts. So where Christy attempted suicide or tried to attempt suicide, uh, the police were called and they would transport her to a facility. The first one happened in January of 2012. And so if you remember January of 2000, he got sick. Yes, that's when he got sick and was moved into the nursing home. Then her second suicide attempt is May of that same year. I can only assume that she knows this is the end, right? Yeah. And then July, which right after her grandfather dies of that same year, is her third suicide attempt. So was she ever committed for any sort of? Yes. So after every suicide attempt, she would be in the facility for three days. And Jason would say, no, Jason would say that she would be there then she knew all the right things to say to uh the doctors at the facility and to jason so then jason would go and pick her up and take her home and i was thinking well you know that kind of makes sense i mean people like that they know how to talk they know how to present i i have experience again with people who have been under these 72 hour holds Mm -hmm. unless you are like actively a crazy person while you're in this hold they'll let you go home yeah it's not even about knowing the right thing to say it's yeah um you don't you don't look like you're actively trying to hurt yourself in the last 72 hours you're fine go home and that's what they did every time she had a suicide attempt and was taken to a facility she was released and in all of those calls they even said later that um There was nothing in those calls, in those suicide attempts, even in the altercation between the verbal altercation that ever indicated to anyone, even Jason, that Christy was a danger to anyone but herself. Like there was never an indication. She never tried to hurt other people, uh, hurt him. It was always, it was self-harm. Now, I guess in, I guess the the course of action when someone you know attempts suicide and is taken to a facility and then released is uh, a crisis team I guess is sent out uh, to check 
to follow up. And a crisis team was sent out to the house to follow up with Christy about her suicide attempts, but the last follow-up was in 2014. And that was actually the only one on record. I'm sure there were phone calls, but the only ones where the crisis team actually came out to the house to check on Christy and to make sure, you know, just to follow up and see how she was feeling. Throughout 2012 and up to the incident, Christy was on um, a lot of medications for uh, severe depression and anxiety, but she mixed those medications with alcohol most of the time, as you know, Jason mentioned before, uh, that she drank heavily as well. The medications aren't going to do anything if you're not taking mm-hmm. them properly. No. Jason and just with all the problems and everything that was happening, they finally decided that, you know, they needed to separate. Jason was kind of having enough of Christy and everything that was going on. So Christy got an apartment and moved out of the Sheets family home. And they would see each other often, though, because she was always with the girls or she was always over there. And they were trying to work things out. Jason says that they, that they were trying to work things out. He wanted his marriage to work and they were mostly doing it for, uh, for the girls. But every time they would be together in the same room, it would result in a fight. So all of this brings us to June 24th, 2016. And again, this is Jason's birthday. So Christy comes over because it is Jason's birthday and they're going to have a family dinner or a little family celebration. And it's just the four of them. However, a couple of days before this, Christy and uh, Taylor get into an argument because Christy wants to ground Taylor. Now remember Taylor is 22 years old Mm -hmm. and she's about to marry her fiance in a few days. She wants to ground Taylor from seeing her fiance. Why? Um, uh, just an argument they were having. So, wait, wait, you uh, say they, uh, Christy yeah. and Taylor or Taylor and Juan? Yeah, Christy and Taylor. Okay. Christy, Christy was just mad at Taylor and so wanted to ground her. It was one of those, you know, I'm not sure exactly what Taylor did, but she grounded her and she knew a way to punish Taylor was to what? Ground her from seeing her, her fiance. Okay, but Taylor's. T- Well, one, Taylor's 22, but then Christy also doesn't even live in the same house as them. And that's exactly what Jason said. Jason was like, Christy went to Jason to get Jason's backup for trying to ground Taylor. And Jason's like, listen, she's... 22 years old and she's that's not just her boyfriend that's her fiance that she's going to marry in a few days uh I'm not going to ground her right like no and um so uh Jason wasn't going to back her up this caused a huge that that's all Christy could focus on right was Jason wasn't backing her up so this caused major issues uh, obviously, like I said, Jason just felt it was inappropriate to ground his 22-year-old daughter that was about to be married. I agree. So they just had a very heated argument about this. And it was during that argument is when Jason was like, I've had it. I've had enough. I want a divorce. Like, he was done. He was done with Christy. He's like, this is it. I, I can't deal with this anymore. So later that day... Christy still comes over, you know, for, you know, getting together because it's Jason's birthday. Taylor's there. Madison is there. 
Um, and then Christy calls a family meeting. And Jason, as soon as she called the family meeting, Jason was like, oh, well, this is, I guess, she's going to talk to the girls about the divorce. Like, this, we're going to tell the girls we're getting a divorce. Right. Now, I mean, it's awful to spend his birthday doing that. But at the same time, exactly. that's almost the best time to do it because it's like, just get it out. You get this off your chest. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's it's a blemish on the day, but it sounds like the day already wasn't going so good. So exactly. I think things were already super tense in the house because of Christy and Taylor fighting. And now Christy and, you know, Jason coming to this realization that we're done. Right. They all gather in the living room, the family of four. And Christy, that's when Christy pulls out a 38 caliber handgun, which she had already stashed in between the couch cushions. Now, this gun had been handed down to her by her grandfather with the specific intention of Christy. I'm sure they had a conversation a long time ago prior to his death. This is your gun. I want you to use it to protect your family um, if you ever have to. She pulls out that very gun and obviously chaos breaks out immediately. Right. And you know, do we know how long the gun was there in the couch? No, I, I am going to speculate that she, cause she lived in a different apartment. So she would have had to, I don't know if the gun was at the house already. Maybe they had a gun safe because it sounds like, you know, she's she has a lot of guns and she's pro, you know, she's very vocal about gun rights. So I'm assuming there was already um, a lot of personal guns that the family owned in the home and that was one of them. And I think, yeah, I think she pre-stashed that in there before the the family right, meeting. Right, because... With the intent of using Most it. people who are gun owners... I can't think of any responsible gun owner that would stash a gun in the couch. Oh yeah, this wasn't a mistake. This was storage. no, no, so no. This was something that she had placed there for the intent of this family meeting. And you know, in her mind, the fact that Jason said he wants a divorce, her family is in danger, and she needs yep. to protect her family. It, maybe this is a weird way to protect your family, though. Both Taylor and Madison make 911 calls from their cell phones. The calls, like I said before, are so difficult to listen to just because you can hear the um, fear in, in their voices and the confusion and just the chaos in that moment. In those calls, both of the girls can be heard screaming and pleading with their mother not to shoot. Jason can be clearly heard saying um, in one of the 911 calls, he's saying, please don't do this. I will do whatever you want. In one 911 call, you can hear Christy. uh, And this is the only time in any of the 911 calls where you actually hear Christy's voice. But it it is clear, it is cold, and it is stern. And she just yells, stop talking to all three of them. So, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like to be in front of her, but to hear her voice sound like that, I feel like she was on a mission. Do you know what I'm saying? I I feel there was, there was an intent here. Then Christy begins to shoot. All three of them are trying to flee out the front door. She takes a shot at both of her daughters. 
Madison is able to make it to the front yard where she collapses and dies instantly of a single gunshot wound to her neck. Uh. Taylor also makes it to the front yard, but she is still alive with a gunshot wound to the back. Jason, who, by the way, Christy never shoots at all. And later it is revealed by Jason that she had plenty of opportunities. At one point, she even had the gun pointed to his chest and she still didn't shoot him. Interesting. Um, he runs out of the house and directly to a neighbor's house and to bang on the door to ask for help. Christy goes back inside the house. So Madison is dead on the front on the front lawn and Taylor is down because she's been shot in the back. Christy realizes she has no more bullets. She goes back in the house for more and then she comes back out and that's when she stands over Taylor and shoots her several more times. When the Fort Bend County sheriffs finally arrive, they witness. So when they get there, Christy has just shot Taylor again. So Christy is over Ugh. Taylor's body. When, like, as the police are, like, literally pulling. But, I mean, that's so, showing you how fast their response time was. Exactly. So she has already gone in, gotten more bullets, and come out and shot Taylor several more times. So as they're pulling up, they see her uh, put the final bullet uh, or shoot the final bullet. They immediately get out of their cars. They're standing, you know, their guns are drawn. They're standing behind trees. They're standing behind their cars. An officer from the full Sure County uh, Police Department was responding to assist uh, the local deputies. He orders Christy to drop the gun because, again, she's standing over Taylor. They saw her uh, shoot Taylor one last time. He orders her to put the gun down. Christy's not putting the gun down. So he shoots one shot and kills Christy. The sad thing is Christy dies. Christy is shot. Uh, they immediately are able to go in. Uh, they pronounce Madison dead. Uh, they get to Taylor. Taylor is actually still alive. Oh, and, wow. And remember, she's been shot multiple times by yeah. her mom. So they, they life flight her to um, a memorial hospital nearby where she is actually pronounced dead a short time later. She had several shots to her back, to her head, and to her neck in the end. Jason, by the time the police get there, is so distraught and out of his mind mind understandably with just horror and shock and disbelief at what he just witnessed that he is so overcome they actually have to take him to a hospital even though he is unharmed but they take Jason to a hospital where I'm sure they had to uh, give him some sort of um, sedatives to calm him down because he was just completely destroyed by what he had just witnessed. The neighborhood was in shock as the news breaks and um, everyone is just left wondering how could this happen. Uh, news stations did interviews, you know, shortly after the, the news broke out um, and they were interviewing neighbors and all the neighbors said the same thing about Jason and Madison and Taylor, that they were very personable. They always said hi in the neighborhood and smiled. Christy, some of them said, was a little more standoffish, uh, but they had never sensed that something was wrong 
or going wrong with the family, although I find that hard to believe, especially when you know that the police were called to the house 14 times. Right. So I'm not sure if this just wasn't a particularly nosy neighborhood or what, but but there obviously was something wrong, right? On July 2nd, 2016, Madison and Taylor are laid to rest together in Athens, Alabama. Oh, that's Um, sweet. I know. So they... They they buried both of the sisters together. Why uh, were they buried so far from Texas? So Athens, um, I believe, is where Jason's family is. Okay. So I think he just wanted them there near his family. I'm I'm almost certain that's probably a family burial plot too. Okay. But he never claims Christie's body at all. I do not blame him. Yes, I do not blame him at all either. I eventually did some research and figured out that later Christie's side of the family did claim her body and they had a private burial near her uh, her hometown. Okay. So I know that they that that she was claimed by her family. Um, after the shooting, Jason told investigators that um, during the altercation, he told Christy that she should just shoot herself and do them all the favor. And he said that she told him, no, that's not what this is about. I am punishing you. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, geez on two fronts because yeah. Jason, man, that's uh you should never be telling someone that. No. Um, but also, that's just even more so that Christy knew exactly what she was doing. And I wonder how many times she rehearsed that line in her head. Yeah, I, probably a lot. I mean, he and I 100% truly believe this. He wanted or Christy wanted Jason to suffer. And he, she wanted him to suffer the, like, in the worst possible way. And I think in her mind, by taking away the two people that he loved the most and who loved him back, that was going to ensure that punishment for him. And he also says uh, later in an interview that, uh, that she planned this for his birthday. He believes that she planned it for that day, for his birthday, because she never wanted him to celebrate another birthday um, or to, and just to basically feel pain surrounding right, that day. Right, because every year his birthday is the anniversary of when his two daughters were killed. So by taking away the two people he loved the most in the world, um, you know, she did that. She accomplished that. Um, she accomplished his him wanting to suffer forever. And I was looking more into this because I I was I started thinking, you know, there's a lot of people who uh, who kill the spouse, right? Or like they're when a divorce is going on, they kill the wife or they kill the husband. And I can never really understand why they kill the children or I hear a lot of cases where they kill themselves and the children. So this is what's known as spousal revenge filicide. Uh, when you kill your children and not the other person who really your anger is towards. Right. And so they kill their own children, obviously for revenge on the spouse. And in my research, 
What is not understood is how the person, the killer, can dehumanize their own children to the point of they're going to murder them, right? And especially when they have been known to love their children, right? And obviously parents love their children, so how can you kill your own child? And through my research, I was reading that the killers usually see the children as objects and because they're thinking, how am I going to punish the other person without killing them? Because to kill them would be, okay, then then they're dead, right? The suffering, whatever suffering could stop. But something that I can do to make them suffer long-term is to take away the very thing that has significant emotional value to them, right? And so that object is the children. So it sort of kind of explains why the 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 other spouse isn't harmed or targeted because they know to inflict the most pain possible, it is the children that have to go and not the spouse. Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of cases um, that revolve around spousal revenge, filicide. And I'd be the- really interested in reading like a typical psychological profile for one of these mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they have psychological profiles for family annihilators and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I'd be really mm-hmm. interested in finding one. My grammar just went out the window, man. Uh, <laughs> I'd be really interested in finding a psychological profile for this type of killer. That would be interesting. So in looking through Jason's Facebook page, um, after all of this happened on July 29th, which was just a couple of weeks after uh, the murders of his daughters, uh, he takes to Facebook and makes a lengthy kind of just grief-filled rant. And in it, he says, uh, he talks a lot about a kind of living in a marriage that's not working or like being with someone, even though, uh, you know, it's causing harm to yourself or it's toxic. He says, if you're in a relationship with someone and you find that you have problems getting along with them, you either need counseling or you need to get out of that relationship. It is, it is really that simple. Do not continue down the same path, hoping that it will get better. Chances are that it won't. Don't think you owe it to anyone to stay in an unhealthy situation. I think that I didn't want to fail at marriage and I didn't want to fail at anything. Sometimes people change and are no longer the same person whom you fell in love. The relationship as you knew it is over. So in throughout this rant and throughout his other rants that he has on there, he never mentions Christy by name. But of the marriage, he also says, it was a circular cycle of pain and it ended with the senseless murder of my two wonderful daughters. Shortly after their deaths, Jason created two custom rubber bracelets with the words, you go dad, to honor his daughters. And I guess the phrase, you go dad, is something that uh, Madison and Taylor often said to him, especially in the last year leading up to their death. Jason was trying to get fit and healthy and lose weight, and he would go out running and um, 
and Madison and Taylor would often say, uh, you go dad. And so to honor his daughters, he made a purple rubber bracelet. That was Taylor's favorite color and um, a light blue, which was Madison's favorite color. And it says, you go dad. And then their name on it that he uh, has worn since. That is cute. Um, Isn't that sweet? Jason's understandable anger towards Christy and what she did to his daughters is very raw throughout his page. Uh, He refers to Christy as my former spouse. So he has a lot of pain, obviously. He even lashes out. I guess there were people that were kind of pro Christie's, you know, kind of saying that she was driven to this because Jason was so controlling because of his OCD. And um, he shuts that down, just basically saying that uh, nothing that happened in their marriage ever gave her the right to do that to her own innocent children. And then he goes on just to talk about how in the last few years, she, even though, you know, on Facebook, you see her being so lovey-dovey, and this goes back to what we're talking about, making these outwardly just, you know, um, just lovey-dovey posts about her daughters that in real life, she wasn't like that with them in the last few years and that she never loved on them or hugged them or kiss them or tell them how much she loved them. She didn't love them, and she proved that by doing what she did. So, again, you know, his pain and grief is evident in all of his posts, um, and no one can blame him for that, right? Less than a year after the murder of his daughters, Jason Sheets remarried. He remarried this woman. She's a first-grade teacher from Mississippi. They moved back to Alabama. It looks like she has a grown daughter of her own, But, you know, in just looking at his Facebook page, it looks like while he lost, you know, his two daughters, he's he still makes posts about it and how much he misses his daughters. But he does seem to be a little bit more at peace now. And I'm and I'm happy he you know, he's found happiness with somebody else. I'm sure the pain of his daughters is still still raw and real, but he seems to be at peace now. Yeah, I was, as you were reading that, I was kind of scrolling through his Facebook page Mm -hmm. because I just found it and you can definitely see uh, there's a big gap in the timeline. Yeah. But it looks like after he married this woman, um, I won't say her name, Mm -hmm. but after he married her, it looks like they possibly moved on together. But I mean, his cover photo is still his two daughters Mm -hmm. yeah and he also relies definitely on his faith and his church you know to get him through a lot of this but that was the sad story of um of christy sheets and you know like look looking at the daughters aren't they beautiful they're so pretty Oh, oh my gosh so sad I don't know how anyone can do that, but yeah. anyways, there you go. Well, thanks. Hey, yeah, I mean, it's it's always funny when we do these stories and it's like, we go, there you go. You're welcome for that. Yeah. <laughs> that fun little story. It's out of my head and it's in yours <laughs> Yeah, now. exactly. There's like no happy ending to any of this stuff. No. <laughs> no, but there you go. Christy Sheets. Yeah, that's awful. Mm-hmm.
Um, you know, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for referring us to your friends because I have noticed that uh, we have more listeners, which is always exciting. Oh, good. Uh, we got a couple uh, requests in from the website this week. So we did. We did. Yay. So thank you for sending those. Keep sending them. Yes. You can find us pretty much everywhere. Not Twitter, not TikTok. Um, <laughs> at <laughs> Alternative Interest Podcast. Uh, keep sharing us. Keep listening. Please do. And we we're more... It. And our, I just wanted to point out that our uh, Instagram page is more active than we do on our Facebook page. So it is. If For you some keep reason, up- um, Instagram disconnected from our Facebook page. I'm trying to figure out how to fix oh. it. Oh, okay. Because I used to have them paired, so all the posts went both places. If anyone oh. knows how to fix that, please tell me. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I'll have to take a look at that. That's odd. Um, you know, we will see you next time, guys. Yes, we will. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh. No, no, bye. No, no. <laughs> that, could I sound more ridiculous? All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>